This is the third in our Christmas series, and I trust that your heart is open to the Word of God today. We have read three passages of scriptures all having to do with gifts. They who came to worship him in Bethlehem brought gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then Jesus, in that great sermon on the mount, talked about gifts in verse 11 of chapter 7. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father will give good gifts to those that ask him. And James adds in this great epistle of his, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Have you opened all your gifts? Can you imagine Christmas without gifts? They really do go together, don't they? We all look forward to that time when we gather around to open the gifts. Children are unique when it comes to gifts. They eye the gifts. They shake the gifts ahead of time. They examine the gifts. They check the size of the gifts against one of their siblings. They want to make sure that they are treated equally. And even adults get in on it. I've had a practice for years of getting a special gift for the ladies in my life. My wife and my two daughters-in-law, I waited a long time for daughters-in-law, and so I, I, can you believe this? I shop at a woman's store for them. And they're always snooping for those special packages. And my wife had the audacity to ask me this week where those packages were. She didn't know that they were right in place. I put them there when she wasn't looking and she hadn't even noticed yet. But that's okay because Christmas is all about gifts. But in, the few, in a few hours from now, the lights and the trees will come down. The curbs will be lined with all these sick-looking Christmas trees that have been or adorned in our homes and churches Size 36 will be exchanged for size 40. Eggnog will be on sale for half price. Christmas cards will be at a huge bargain. And they're out there gobbling them up for next year. December's generosity will become January's payment. So it doesn't really last, the joy and the thrill of all of these gifts. So it's important that two gifts are open, particularly at this season. And the first one is the gift of salvation. God's free gift to us, the forgiveness of our sins. Do you realize this morning that you can be forgiven of all of your sins, all 
of your sins, all of your sins. Because of Christmas, it's God's gift to you and to me. And if you leave here in a few minutes with any of your sins, you are a fool. Those sins can be forgiven, and you can walk out of here with God's gift of salvation. Not to do it is nothing less than foolishness. What a gift. Take hold of it. Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works. You can't earn it, lest anyone should boast. It is a gift of God. Do you have it? It involves the forgiveness of sin and also your future hope. Listen to John in his first epistle to the church, chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Wonderful two-part truth to this gift of salvation, free from sin and a hope for tomorrow. Someone wrote the song, what child is this? It's a question. What child is this who so impacted history that the calendar of time itself is dissected by his birth? To the Adam he is fusion, for by him all matter is held together. To horticulture he's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. To the animal kingdom, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah and the Lamb of God. To astronomy, he's the star of the morning and the sun of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. To the seeker, he's the way. To the philosopher, the truth. To the penitent, the life. He is Joshua's captain, Moses' smitten rock. Isaiah's majestic sovereign, Saul's blinding vision, John's revelation. What child is this? He's the poet's greatest theme, the composer's sweetest music, the sinner's dearest friend. He's the healer of broken hearts, the mender of broken relationships, the restorer of broken dreams. To the weary, he is wonderful, to the confused counselor, to the weak, mighty God, to the orphan, everlasting father, to the war-torn prince of peace. In his life, he is humanity's only perfection. In his death, 
humanity's only Savior, in His resurrection, humanity's only hope. What child is this? He is Jesus, God's love gift to you. Have you opened that gift this Christmas season? Without Him, you're lost. Without Him, your future involves eternal hell and separation. With Him, you have eternal life. Heaven is your home. A Savior who will be closer than a brother. Open that gift this year. Secondly, the gift of fellowship is ours because of Christmas. Not only do we enjoy fellowship with each other because of God's gift of salvation, but remember, we have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with our family through Jesus Christ. We have eternal promise of fellowship that will never be broken with God and with those who love the Lord. Have you ever realized that this is what the devil wanted to rip from us most of all, the gift of fellowship? You see, in the Garden of Eden, he tried to tear that away from us. And so he laid a trap for man in the garden, and man took hold of that trap and fell, and his fellowship with God was broken in the beginning. Jesus came at Christmas to restore that fellowship. And now as we look around our world, we see the enemy particularly attacking families in the world, just like Cain rose up to slay Abel, his brother, dividing families. So the enemy today wants to break that fellowship in families. But we have a gift we can open at Christmas time, which is a gift of fellowship. Abraham Lincoln once listened to the pleas of the mother of a soldier who had been sentenced to hang for treason. She begged the president to grant a pardon. Lincoln finally agreed, yet he left the woman with these words, Still, I wish we could teach him a lesson. I wish we could give him just a little bit of hanging. Interesting words. What was he saying to that woman? He is guilty, and I'm going to set him free. But I think for his own good, it would be helpful if he felt a little bit of the pain so he would remember. The devil won't steal your salvation. That's my observation as I look at people. What he does is, just to make us forget what it was like to be lost. To forget the pain and agony we once experienced in our waywardness. That's, that's all he does. You'll go, you will grow accustomed to prayer and you'll grow accustomed to the things that are supposed to characterize Christianity. Worship will become commonplace when the devil moves in like that to Make you forget what it was like to be lost. He'll infiltrate your heart with boredom and cover the cross with dust. 
right along with the Bible, and soon you'll be out of reach of any change in your life that the Holy Spirit wants to bring about. How does the devil do it? He doesn't steal your home from you. He just does something far worse. He paints it with a familiar coat of drabness. That's what he does. Routine replaces romance. The pictures in the hallway become a memory of another couple in another time, in another era. He won't take your children. He'll just make you too busy to notice them. There's always next summer to go to the lake and next week to teach Johnny how to pray. Books go unread. Games unplayed. Hearts will go unnurtured and opportunities will go ignored. The poison of the ordinary deadens our senses to what is important. Who does that? The devil does that. Have you opened all your gifts? Go back to what is important. Where is your love? Where is your attention to the real, to the lasting? What part does the Christ of Christmas play in your daily life and daily decisions? Where is Jesus in your life today? You need fellowship. You need fellowship with God. You need fellowship with this church family. You need fellowship with your human family. You need eternal fellowship with a living Christ. But I want to tell you today, I am scared to death about some of you because the devil hasn't necessarily come right in front of your face to steal your salvation. He's just made you forget what it was like to be lost. And you're lukewarm if not dead cold. And you're going through routines. And I don't know any time of the year any better than this one to be revived and to have fellowship restored than Christmas. When the lights are bright and the tinsel is beautifully hanging from the trees and gifts are being wrapped to say there's much there's something much more important than these things. My fellowship with God needs to be restored. My fellowship with my companion needs to be deepened and with my children and with other family members. I'm going to ask Christ to do something unique in the area of fellowship. You're not an island. None of us is an island. We need each other, and we need him. I was listening to the song, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, this week. And I said to my wife, you know, whoever wrote that had a clever idea. I hadn't really paid much attention, so I, I got Caleb and Luke next to my typewriter, and I said, hey, guys, help me with the words of this song. I'm not sure I've got them, and they knew them. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would surely say it glows. Then all the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. 
They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer game. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, here's the genius of it. One foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then all the reindeer loved him, and they shouted out with glee, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history. The Bible contains story after story of how God has blessed those who obey him, who wait for their moment of opportunity. There's always going to be a foggy Christmas Eve for everybody when they can find their place and God will open a door to them of fellowship and blessing. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. He's the initiator. He is the aggressor. He is the one who loved us while we were yet in our sins. And if people have been making fun of you, and if you haven't really found your niche, I'm here to tell you there's a gift for you to open. It's the gift of fellowship that will make you feel a part of something great, big and wonderful and Sometimes when people say on the airplane to me, what do you do? I say, I'm, the part, I'm a part of the biggest company in the world. You are, yes, the biggest company in the world. Well, are you an officer? Yes, I'm an officer, and in fact, I'm one of the relatives of the owner. And that really gets their attention. I have been brought into fellowship. I opened that gift, and I do it again this year. Some of you are struggling with what happened in the election, just like you struggle the day after the Super Bowl when your team didn't win, or the day after you were laid off your job. Hey, the important thing to remember is that God is in control. Did it ever dawn on you? that maybe God had something to do with the election? I have to believe he did. If I understand the Bible, after much prayer and fasting and a lot of money spent by a lot of people, we got what we voted for. And now we say, God, the future is yours. And at this Christmas time, I don't want to fret or fume or fuss. I want to just slip my hand into yours and take those two gifts that you have offered me, the gift of salvation and the gift of fellowship, and that you are the supplier, you are the initiator, you are the one who's going to see me through, and I open them with all the fervor of my being today. I thank you for Christmas, because in Christmas I have these gifts that will never separate me from your presence. You got a good grasp on them today? To think about it as you bow your heads with me in prayer all across the auditorium. Heavenly Father, there are people that come to Christmas discouraged and defeated. And often that is because they don't have anybody close to them. They're going to spend the day perhaps alone. It's not like it used to be. Then there are others who are blessed with bounty, and it's almost like they're looking forward to it getting over with because they're 
fatigued by all that's going on. Lord, wherever we are in this thing called Christmas, I pray that today, right now, you will flood our soul with the most important thing, that you gave us a very special gift, the gift of salvation that we would be eternally saved, and the gift of fellowship with you and with each other. And Lord, don't let the devil rob us of that. Don't let him make things commonplace. Don't allow him to make us forget what it was like before we met the Christ of Christmas and enjoy the fellowship that he gave us. Help us to return to our first love on this Christmas Sunday and truly be able to sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Touch men and women, boys and girls, all over this building as they have opened their hearts to the word of God today. We thank you for your gifts. With our heads bowed, just before we close, how many of you would lift up a hand and say, Pastor Cole, first, I, I need the gift of salvation. I need the gift of eternal life. I need to know in my heart that Jesus came for me, and I want to receive him today. I want to open that gift. Would you raise your hand wherever you sit quickly? We just have a moment. Raise it up high that I may see it. Then you can put it down again. Just for a moment, let me see the hand. I need the Christ of Christmas in my heart. God bless you. Two right here in this section. Another back over here. Another here. Any others? Just, yes, up in the balcony, sir. God bless you up there. Thank you, ma'am, in the middle. Thank you. Anyone else? Just slip it up, and then you can put it back down. I want to pray for you today. I need the gift of God's salvation. You don't want to spend eternity without him. Thank you. Back to my right. You want eternity with him. Anyone else? Just lift that hand. All right, how many others would say, Pastor, that thing of fellowship, I, I realize it's, it's got a crack in it. It's not where it ought to be, either with God or with your fellow man or with your family. You'd like to slip your hand up and say, would you just include me today? Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Hands going up all over the auditorium. Would you stand for prayer? Just stand quietly and reverently in God's presence as we pray for these. Heavenly Father, as we stand to our feet in this service of worship, we pray for those who raise their hands first about receiving Christ. Come into their hearts, forgive them of their sin, blot out their iniquity, and those who are in need of a renewed fellowship on any level, may it come now by the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. While we sing Emmanuel that was sung earlier, I'd like our staff to be positioned in the front, our leaders, board members. Those of you raised your hands for salvation, would you mind coming down? We have material we'd like to give you before we leave. And any of you who would like special prayer, I'd like you to come if you just need a touch. There's something this message has aroused in you that needs to be followed up. Then you come. You come this way. While we sing, Pastor Randy will lead us. Wherever you are, you just come quickly as we have this moment of faith.